Noriko in Tokyo. Thank you so much for joining, guys. Thank you. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Thank you. It's so wonderful to have you both as a follow up because I've talked to you both individually last year. So, Helene, we talked nine months ago. I was checking. Yes. Nine months ago, and we talked about your、uh, first business in Japan, Motainai Transition, which is like a coaching and consulting business, right? And Nori, we talked with you, Noriko, seven months ago. <laughs> and of course, we we're talking about your business, Vegino. Hi, thanks for joining today. I hope you enjoy this episode. If you want to learn more about the work that I do, Check out inboundambassador.com and you can also find me on buymeacoffee.com slash jjwalsh to get some bonus information and insights from the series. So it would be nice for this audience if they didn't have a chance to watch those videos yet. Maybe, Helene, can you start and tell us a little bit about Motainai Transition? Yeah. And then we'll go to Noriko and she can tell us about Vegino. And then we'll talk about your combination effort at Echo Local. Okay? <laughs> okay, no worries. So,、uh, Motainai Transition, so like you said, is a, a boutique uh, uh, consulting to help, especially businesses、uh, in Japan, to、uh, kind of raise awareness about environmental issues with their you know,、uh, teams. Um, and the idea is to do that in a very positive way and trying to、uh, create you know, engagement and action uh, from the team,、uh, team members.、Uh, so, yes, that's what it is. Wonderful. All right.、Uh, Noriko, do you want to come back and you can tell us about Vegino just a little bit? Sure. Thank you.、Um, so, yeah, Vegino is、uh, primarily a free informational website and Instagram account、um, that aims to promote、uh, the plant based lifestyle or the greener way of living.、Um, and we don't really use the word vegan, or we didn't use to too much, because the, the idea is that we believe that the more people who eat One more、uh, plant based food、um, is more impactful and effective、uh, ultimately than you know, trying to raise awareness and get more people who are 100% vegan always, all the time.、Um, so that's kind of、uh, how it started, and it's still there. It has recipes, sometimes blog articles,、um, and daily inspiration on Instagram. Yeah, that's wonderful. And of course, Helene and Noriko, you have both been very supportive and very active,、um, not only doing interviews with me, but you guys have also joined the workshop series that I tried to launch this year. And Noriko, you were teaching one of the workshops on vegan Middle Eastern food, and that was so popular. It was wonderful. Thank you. It was fun.、Mm -hmm. <laughs> and Helene and Noriko, you guys both joined when we had the kaiseki, the vegan kaiseki food. That was really yes, fun. That was amazing. I'm still using some of the recipes we learned like every day. So, oh,、yeah. great. Great. <laughs> yeah, it's a really nice concept. And then I see that you guys are also starting to incorporate the vegan videos. Noriko, I see、uh, Cook with Nori is on the Eco Local. Of YouTube, right? 
And, yes. <laughs> uh, and you also, upcoming, you have a vegan ramen event coming up, right? Yes, that one I'm not teaching, um, sadly or, or thankfully, I don't know. <laughs> um, yes, we're collaborating with the vegan store in Asakusa. Um, so the owner chef, Suzuki-san, who is quite famous for making delicious uh, mock dishes like um, uh, boiled egg and chashu. Um, what other things? She, she told me she also created some pie, like crusty pie pie uh you know like cross on kind of stuff so um yeah we're collaborating with her and she'll be the one leading and teaching us uh how to make vegan tonkotsu ramen with food scraps um, and then helping us to change the taste so that we can go around the world uh from asakusa <laughs> by you know having different tastes from around the world yes that's awesome thanks for joining vada she's joined from haps uh, she says, yum, <laughs> and she should be sleeping, but we're glad you're not sleeping. We're glad you're <laughs> joining us. <laughs> Thank you for joining. Yeah. Um, so let's uh, start a little bit with how did you get the idea for Echo Local? Where did that come from? Mm, maybe we should start by how we met first. <laughs> okay, yeah. So actually, you know, during uh, COVID, I was doing these uh, monthly webinars with guests, uh, you know, across Japan, who are involved in um, kind of the sustainability space. A little bit uh, like what you do, but not as uh, intense as you do. <laughs> and uh, Noriko, she was uh, my second guest in March or April last year. And um, we got on well and we stayed in touch. And then uh, around like June, July, I saw um, on social innovation Facebook group and an advert for Impact Tech um, uh, social change maker, you know, program. And I had that, this idea of uh, a rough idea of eco-local, not exactly eco-local, but like in my head. And then I reached out to Nori and I was like, Nori, what about joining forces and trying to bring that to life uh, or something like that in Japan and addressing, you know, issues we both care about. So Nori, she's a really, uh, uh, an expert and in uh, plant-based and you know I'm very interested I, I came from the angle of you know more like uh, zero waste trying to reduce my waste so combining all forces that's kind of how we we started the project that's great Nori anything to add Noriko did you want to add something about how it started oh Noriko, maybe you can't hear us. Can you hear us? No? Noriko. I'm not sure. <laughs> Noriko. No, Let me Um, So I, I want to talk to you guys about the categories. Yes. So your, your, can you hear, Nori? No? can't hear us maybe um so how did you choose what kind of focus what kind of categories to use for the website and app yeah so we didn't want to have uh, too many of them like so that it's not you know there's it's overloading people and also what i should mention first is that we we decided to start with food because it's one of the primary needs as human 
Um, and, you know, we try to think about what are the key problems, you know, with the food uh, industry uh, today. And we try to address uh, these points. So uh, one is, you know, obviously the impact of, you know, uh, the, the meat industry and also like any kind of animal products uh, on sustainability. So that's why we have plant-based, um, organic with all these issues around pesticides, um, plastic-free is this idea that we know that in Japan sometimes it can be challenging, challenging sorry, to be fully zero waste. But, you know, sometimes you can go for the not as bad option, which is, you know, packaged in a material that might not be fully sustainable, but at least is less impactful in terms of end of life uh, compared to plastic. Uh, and then zero waste, which is, you know, uh, kind of uh, obviously, you know, no, uh, no packaging. And fair trade is another one because sometimes, you know, you have to, uh, you have to, you, you choose to consume products from other areas uh, in the world. So trying to choose options which are not as, uh, let's say, not as bad. So maybe, you know, people are taking care of, you know, the way they are grown and trying to not to damage the, the environment or the people that are, you know, kind of in these, uh, these cultures. Um, so that's how we chose the, the criteria. Yeah, it's great. Um, it's very difficult. I, I have a very wide view of sustainability. And uh, in this series, I talk to people about perpetuating culture and vegan and low waste and plastic free. So that it's such a wide variety of things that yes. you could list and maybe expand in the future. But I, I like how you've tried to start with things that you're passionate about and you think are hard to find in Japan. Yes. Um, I love this survey that you guys did and you asked a bunch of people what, what's difficult or what do you think about having a sustainable lifestyle? And you had three main points. Can yes. you tell us about that? Yes, of course. So yeah, the, it was quite interesting because uh, both like Japanese and non-Japanese people answered similar things. So the first one was it's not convenient, it's expensive. Uh, the third one was there's a lack of uh, access to the information. Uh, so it's not yeah. just about the language. <laughs> and another point we didn't necessarily mention when, uh, so obviously it was not like necessarily as one of the points in the survey, but something we, we saw through the survey is that people feel quite lonely. And sometimes they get a bit discouraged because they feel very lonely. They feel a lot of pressure maybe from people around them and they, they kind of give up. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Noriko, are you back? Can you hear us? Yes. Yes, I'm back. Oh, yeah. Sorry good, about good. that. <laughs> no, no problem. Um, so we were just talking about the three reasons to start Ecolocal. And uh, the first, it's inconvenient. It's expensive. And people, most important reason to start Ecolocal is people don't know how to get the right information. Mm -hmm. um, did you... You said, was it 150 people that you talked to, Japanese and English speakers? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I forgot exactly. We had like, uh, like this one was just a survey. 100 and more than 150, I think so. Yeah, yeah. but I, mm -hmm. I think this is very common, not only in Japan. I think these are the, the reasons people yes. aren't more sustainable 
anywhere, really. Mm-hmm. It's an, that lack of community. You guys did a great interview um, with Zenbird, was it? Yes. <laughs> and uh, one of the things that you said there was you wanted to not only give information, but you wanted to build a supportive community for people yes. because this concept of getting information is important, but people also want to feel mentally and emotionally supported for making the more difficult choices. Is that right? That's completely right. Yes. Mm. Yeah. I love that. That's beautiful. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so are you still uh, pursuing the app? Can you tell us for people who haven't heard of Ecolocal before, can you tell us how you envision this will work? Because it's still in the first stages. It's still planning yes. stages, right? Yes. So, so tell us how do you envision this will work in the future? Yeah. So you're right. So at the minute, we have just a website, which is kind of a prototype and is more like a, a tool. And actually, with Nori, we are kind of glad we didn't start, you know, any app development before because we were a bit struggling, you know, the first few months because we had this vision of, you know, this community element. And we had that, you know, with our Instagram and the events we, we are doing. And then we had this website, which is just a big map. And we were like, how do we connect the two? You know, we were really struggling. And we found, like, uh, the way to connect them together. And so this is not visible yet on the website, but we are working on a new version of the, the, the website and then in the future the app, which will be, you know, people will be able to kind of, you know, uh, indicate their interests, uh, their priorities in terms of sustainability, uh, where about, you know, their, their kind of areas and then create uh, their uh, maps with favorites. And they will be able to share, you know, and people will be able to follow these maps. Uh, and so that means people can get connected with with each other. They can build their you know own maps with their favorite stores, um, and also yeah feel part of the community. It's kind of like the Spotify of of sustainable yes. maps. Yeah. Yes. No, I love it. I love it. Um, so if anybody goes to the website now, um, you can see some of the listings. Most of the listings are around the Tokyo area. There's a few in Hiroshima because you have an uh, ambassador in Hiroshima who's helping a little bit, I think. Yes. <laughs> I don't know who it could be. Who is I don't that? Know. <laughs> um, and tell us about some of the listings that you guys have have put into the system so far? Yes. So I don't know, maybe that's something we want to mention is that uh, our vision and what we realized both, you know, as we were like uh, going through our journey into sustainability is that uh, if you go to more conventional stores like supermarkets, it's sometimes difficult to make the right choices and it's sometimes more expensive the, the sustainable options you have. But actually, you know, by going to smaller shops, more local shops, uh, family-run, which are working direct with produce, producers or making the products on the spot, uh, you can have access to more uh, eco-friendly options and also it's usually cheaper. And I don't know, Nori, if you want to talk about the, the vegan uh, and the plant-based aspect of things. I mean, yeah, it's it's kind of the similar thing. And, you know, we realized that you don't have to look for an all-vegan 
place. Um, of course, there are also sites like Happy Cow that, that kind of has this similar function for vegan, but, um, you know, there could be a nice local restaurant that you really like that um, was able to accommodate, you know, this one vegan person in your group. And actually, there's quite a few in my area because, uh, surprise, surprise, I'm vegan. Um, and these <laughs> things are not necessarily available on Happy Cow. And so what we realized is that Happy Cow is also good and, you know, Google is also good. But like um, these kind of local gems, as you will, um, and not really it's not an information that um, you can find today, um, except if you're local and you and you live in that area and you've you know had some kind of interaction that helped you find that. Um, so that's kind of where we're like, hey, let's get everyone to submit uh, yes. their favorites, too. And, you know, if you find something, then mm. do tell us about it. You know, that's kind yes. of how it yeah that's great it's like i mean happy cow is only for vegan vegetarian plant-based right it doesn't include places which don't use plastic or have organic things right so what you're doing your concept is really expanding on the existing models um, to give more sustainable people seeking sustainability like so many of us are <laughs> need a little bit more help right yes. um i love this echo shop along event that you did because i think it so perfectly shows how people will be able to use the app like in the future and also doing this kind of echo tour such a great idea can you tell us about it yes so uh, basically, you know, one thing we are trying to do with uh, our app is to kind of uh, showcase the, like I was saying, the small businesses. And we were, you know, thinking and how can we kind of um, get people, you know, on the journey and try to kind of create some sort of connections, you know, even in the time of COVID. So that's kind of how we thought about doing this eco, eco tour. So we go around in one area. We select in advance a couple of stores which we think are kind of really like Nori was saying, local gens. <laughs> and uh, we go with everybody around these, uh, these stores and, you know, tell them what to bring in advance, you know, what kind of container, um, what kind of products we, we will probably uh, explore. And then, you know, we, we are just there to kind of to make the connection in the first step, kind of. You know, because sometimes it can be intimidating, you know, going into a store and asking, oh, can I use my container or can I do this or whatever? Or is this organic? Or, and so we are trying to bridge that gap. Uh, and so, yes, that's the idea. <laughs> yeah. Can you describe some of the shops that you went to? People can see it in the video. Um, I'm showing the picture now of the tofu shop, beautiful, handmade, delicious, healthy tofu. And you, people in your group bring their own container and the ladies are putting it in the container. It seems so simple once you see it in action. So it, it's so wonderful that you've made these little videos explaining it, I think. Mm. Yes, and, and we are trying to yeah. make it less intimidating. So hopefully it can inspire more people to try. <laughs> yeah. So uh, on the video I saw, I saw the tofu place. I saw the bakery. I love that you guys were able to get your breads in your own bags. This is such a hurdle in Japan still, right? Yes. Yes. You have to be fast. <laughs> You have to say it many, many times. And I also love you found some bulk shops. 
So places that will sell different items by weight or by quantity, and you can use your own packaging. So I know this is a lot more common in other countries. It's still very new in Japan. Are you think are you feeling like it's growing? Like there is more interest in this kind of eco shopping? Uh, slowly, I guess. Um, actually, one interesting note is that um, Japan used to be very eco friendly, in the sense that it's kind of you know sort of embodied elsewhere with all these bulk stores, bring your own container, bring your own bottle, etc. Um, just kind of piece of history, but like um, I was talking to this woman who who's actually doing sustainability investments. So she's been in finance, but just specifically for, you know, ESG and now SDG investments. Um, and she's about mid 50s. And she was saying, you know what? I grew up in a house that didn't have a dustbin, or at least we may have had one dustbin. And that dustbin we emptied out like once every three days. And the only thing that was in there was tissue paper that, you know, you blew your nose with or something. Um, and they would just burn it in a can in their garden. So how did that happen? Um, most of the shopping was um, bulk, tofu, miso, even shoyu, uh, soy sauce. Um, all of that, you just reuse the, the original container that you bought it in or, you know, you bring whatever container you have. Um, so that was kind of the norm in Japan until two, three decades ago. Um, but suddenly we had this influx of, of convenience and plastic. And, and here you have it. We're kind of now behind, you know, the global wave of, of all of this. Um, I would almost say it's a trend. Uh, but yeah, it's kind of a shame because Japan was actually, you know, doing this kind of lifestyle only until two, three decades ago. Yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? And like we had a beach cleanup uh, yesterday. We do the third Sunday of every month. We try to get out even just for an hour and do a cleanup on the riverside or beach. I know you've got one coming up I want to talk about later. Um, that's a great event, event to do. But something we often find is the plastic pet bottles. So I often fantasize about them bringing back the old style Coke machines or drink machines where it's in the glass container, you drink it there, you leave it there, it's washed <laughs> and reused. And that, that was here in Japan when I first came 30 years ago. Wow. Let's bring it back. Yeah, it's so much better. It's, it's not, not so long ago as well. Yeah, it's not broken down and, and made new. It's washed and reused and that's those are the kinds of examples we want to bring back right yeah it wasn't that long ago no <laughs> yeah it's a it's a bit of a i don't know if it's a shame and so i don't know if people have noticed but our instagram is themed a little bit in the edo period um, and that comes from our personal i don't know it's kind of like our personal personal interest and and passion that we think we could learn from you know the edo period which Again, piece of history, sorry about this, but um, Japan, I think, uh, had maybe was one of the rarer forms of, of uh, enabling a fully circular economy with the Edo period. Um, in that being, you know, even things like human waste was recycled in the form of compost and growing vegetables. Um, there was even a price on human waste that's wow. how that's how connected everything was in the edo period and so we feel like you know there's a lot to learn 
Isn't yeah. that amazing? And I know you guys have talked to Asby Brown, who's a, a he's an expert on this uh, Edo period sustainability, and he's been on this series as well. And you've talked to him on on your Eco Local series or Multi Transition series, and uh, it's so interesting to think about a world where everything has a way to be reused or go back to nature, to become compost, uh, making clean water, it doesn't pollute anything because we are still living in a circular environment, but we've kind of forgotten and moved away from it, right? So it's, it's like we're fooling ourselves, thinking that we don't live in something that'll come back and harm us, but it does. <laughs> yes, yes. And you know, some people might argue, you know, maybe that, you know, in older times, maybe women were not working, so they didn't have, you know, they had the time to do all these things and it's taking time. And that's kind of true, but in another way, not like I personally believe that there should be more focus on how we can make this circular system more convenient for, you know, everyone rather than trying to you know, innovate on, you know, new materials or, you know, there's, I think, I believe there could be ways to make it convenient the way, um, yes, the, the circular way. Mm. Definitely. Mm. I think it, it's, it's about so many things, right? It's about a change in policy so mm. that there is a charge for something which is so devastating for the environment or communities. Um, so you have like an environmental tax or a social impacts tax added to very damaging things like single use plastics. And then if the cost goes up, people will use less of it. Right. Yeah. Like we saw that happen with the charge on plastic bags. Yeah. That has been very positive in how people are using so fewer plastic bags in yeah. their everyday. Right. They just it, it helps you think about it a little bit when you have to pause and be like, do I want to pay extra three yen? It doesn't seem like a mm -hmm. lot, but a lot of people change because of it, right? Yes. Amazing. Yeah. That's but at true. the same time, I think uh, I, we have to lament that because of the extra charge on the 3N for those bags, um, at least I've personally witnessed the whole horde of people who are now hoarding uh, the free the smaller <laughs> bags you know that you can put your tofu i don't actually know what they're for but you you get these rolls of free plastic in almost yeah. every supermarket yes. and now i see a lot more people going for those and even using that as the alternative so i've yep. seen people walk out the supermarket with that me too it's and driving it's like, me crazy so right. until they have a charge for that it's not really going to change and you know when you do your cleanup on the beach we usually used to see a lot of plastic shopping bags. Now we see more of these thin mm. supermarket bags because mm. people have switched to using those more mm. instead of the, the shopping bags. Um, and probably environmentally just as damaging, really, yeah. even, even though they're thin. thin. Yeah. So, yeah, these, these are things that uh, we need to reassess and make a new strategy and target and try to reduce that again, right? Yeah. Yeah, my, my, perspective, oh, sorry. my perspective is that uh, I have the feeling that sometimes um, the why 
is not explained so clearly. So people, they just don't really understand what's the point of that. So they don't really care, you know, they don't understand that, you know, by switching to another, that's the same problem. Um, and, you know, I remember when, you know, a few years ago, like, uh, this came in France as well, you know, they banned, you know, plastic bags. And I had the feeling, you know, they were making, I'm not saying it's better or whatever, but they were making these reusable bags, you know, supermarkets, trying to encourage people, you know, next to the cashier, encouraging people to take these. And I don't think there's a really um, anything being done as obviously in Japan, like to try to encourage people from, you know, bringing their own bags or reusing some bags. And yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, when you replace one plastic with another plastic, are you really fixing anything? Right. <laughs> We need to rethink that and I think make make everything biodegradable, right? Like I, I bought, uh, I got fooled by a major convenience store chain, which has started writing on their rice ball wrapper that it's biofilm. Mm. And so I decided to test it. And so I put it into my garden. I, I had it in water. I had it in the sun. I had it in the shade. And after a month, none of it changed at all. Mm. So it's definitely not biodegradable. It's definitely not any better than regular plastic. I mean, on the one hand, if they're using less fossil fuels to make it, that could be a little bit better. But the image that they're giving people is... You can put it in the garden. It's biodegradable and it's not. Mm. We need to test these things and mm. really make sure that that's true. We can't just trust big companies because sometimes the greenwashing is very strong. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think yeah, there's a... They want... Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, I don't think they were... They were counting on the fact that many people don't have, you know, gardens or compost. I don't think uh, they thought that somebody would actually throw that in the garden mm. and, and see you after a month. <laughs> but, but, what, but what we find in cleanups is that no matter what you have, it ends up in the waterways. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right? Yes. It, it doesn't, it's not intended for the waterways, but it ends up there. So unless it's biodegradable, it's not really an improvement on the existing problem, yeah. right? Because yeah. everything ends up in the water. Things you would never expect, you know, yes. lids, all kinds of wrapping and loads of plastic of many different kinds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which, um, sorry, no, I just wanted to point out that I'm noticing comments and I'm not sure if we're addressing yeah. or we see these. Oh, yeah. okay. I'm, I'm trying to fit it in. Uh, Joanna has a comment from Facebook. Uh, she says, what was the inspiration for the both of you personally, Noriko and Helene, to start on this journey? Not necessarily with Ecoloco per se, but in general. Mm. Yeah, if you, if you want, I can start. Maybe I wanted just to make a point very briefly on uh, bioplastics and things like that. Just to mention that uh, sometimes we have this image that bioplastic is uh, biodegradable, but not all bioplastic are biodegradable. And there's some lack of transparency and clarity on all of these materials. And not all of them that are said to be biodegradable are actually biodegradable in the condition of your house. Some of them need like a proper facility with very high temperatures. So beware, like Joy was saying, of <laughs> greenwashing yeah. with a uh, bioplastic, bio, plastic, bio 
Yeah, be, be careful. <laughs> and even if it is 100% plant material, yes. um, you still have to have a different facility sometimes. Yes. So one of uh, my most exciting adventures in California was when I went to Recology Recycling Center. It sounds crazy, but I loved seeing how a huge city like San Francisco is at 80% diversion from landfill, the same as Kamikatsu in, in Japan is, so in the very small mm -hmm. city. So there's over a million people. They do curbside pickup. So I was so excited to see how they separate all the garbage, how they have 100% composting. But even there, they have plant-based biodegradable containers that they cannot mm. put in with the compost. Not yes. yet because it's a very different kind of material, right? Yes. So even then they have to be mm -hmm. really careful. So I think we're a little bit ways off in terms of biodegradable wrapping or containers, mm -hmm. but one of your ecolocal ambassadors who I interviewed, they are importing real biodegradable um, plastics to their Kancha farm. Is yes. it Kancha farm? Yeah, yes. in Kagoshima. Yes. And they test it. They put it in their compost. They see it It breaks down. So then when they use it with their customers, they feel very confident this is biodegradable. You can trust it. We test it all the time. And I think that's what businesses have to do. Yes, I agree. Yeah. And sorry, uh, Joanna, <laughs> maybe answering your question. So the inspiration on... Personally, on my uh, journey was very slow um, and mostly uh, inspired by, you know, very friendly discussions with some friends who were more advanced on their journey. Uh, sometimes, you know, documentaries I saw, such as uh, a, a movie that is called Demain, which is Tomorrow in French, which is uh, very popular in France and has been a lot of... Uh, has been a tipping point for many French people, I guess. Uh, and that's kind of where, you know, this journey uh, kind of started, you know. And yes, it was very slow. <laughs> I don't know if Nori, you want to <laughs> share you. Helene, I, I think it's really interesting. And uh, I learned last time I, I talked with you um, yes. how you came from like a design uh, background designing with packaging for kind of high-end brands. So you have a really interesting perspective on packaging, I think, because of your background, don't you think? Yeah, so I was uh, actually, I was a packaging uh, developer, so like an engineer. So I was working with, uh, you know, on one side, the marketing guys and the brands, you know, they want this vision, the beautiful packaging. And then I was working with uh, suppliers, trying to find the right materials, the right technical constraints to make sure that we could realize the 2D vision into something that is realistic. <laughs> and uh, that was kind of also a realization. I, my job actually helped me to realize that uh, there was an impact. You know, we were unfortunately maybe creating a need for products which were not necessarily, you know, mandatory or necessary. And I started feeling a bit bad about that. Like, cognitive dissonance, I guess. And that was like, um, I guess, something that got me thinking about changing career fully and not just staying in my, in my company and trying to uh, 
uh, maybe be more involved on the sustainability uh, space from within. Yeah, mm. interesting. I think that's a really interesting perspective to come from, um, designing packages and then trying to fight against wasteful packaging in your next next yes. part of your career. <laughs> I think it's really, it's very informative, right? Yes, and I loved my job, you know. It was a very fun and interesting job, but yes, <laughs> fun is not enough for, you know, now, like we need to be aware of, you know, what kind of planet we want to live, you know, for the future. So, yes. <laughs> yeah, I think if you were still doing that job, you would have to ignore a lot of the obvious things you saw which were wrong, mm -hmm. right? And I, I understand the argument, right? Like a lot of people often say, uh, but if you're very enthusiastic and if you're very like an activist inside the company, you can change them from the inside. Don't worry, you can have an influence, right? People mm -hmm. always tell me that. Like I went to a sustainability conference and I met someone from a fossil fuel company who was there. And they want to know what kind of conversations are happening at the sustainability conference. But when I was talking to her, she was so disillusioned and saying that she really thought she could change the company for the better from the inside. But actually, now she felt like she was on her way out because she had given up trying mm -hmm. to make positive change. So it's... Yeah. Maybe some people can do it, but I think it's it's very hard to change. It's from very it. hard, yeah. And also fundamentally, and that's my perspective, like especially for bigger companies, they have like sometimes, uh, you know, shareholders, they have like, uh, you know, objective, they have to grow, they have to meet, you know, their financials. And, it's, you know, if you want to be sustainable, you should consume less. So you should produce less. You should encourage your consumers not to buy your products. And that's not working for companies. So maybe that's a bit of a... <laughs> but yeah, that's how I felt with my job. I was like, I'm part of a system that is encouraging people to buy lipsticks or fragrances. Mm, yeah. <laughs> over over consumption. That's yes. the business model of, of yes. so many companies, right? Yes. Unfortunately. Uh, Noriko, do you mm. want to talk about your your initial interest in Echo? Where did that come from? Yeah, I mean, I, I think like it kind of just I guess the turning point was when I went scuba diving in 2011, uh, oh, 2009 maybe. Um so I was not like super into echo or anything. I didn't want to intentionally, you know, damage the earth or anything, but um, didn't grow up being super into it, except that uh, I did grow up in, in the UK, in London. And so it was kind of like, um, like a hygiene standard. You know, you, you do think about the rainforest in Brazil. You do think about not wasting paper. Um, in your day to day, or you turn off more lights, um, you know, if you're not in the room and stuff like that. But it was never to me something personal until I went scuba diving in 2000, whenever it was, um, got my license. And the guy who sort of took us to get our license and, you know, the instructor said, Oh, this place, like I was amazed. I was like, Wow, this is a new, whole new world. And, you know, this is like the land of, and I love water, I love fish, I love swimming. 
So I was just amazed. And then the guy said, you know, this place was more beautiful 10 years ago. There was more coral. And I said, okay, what's damaging the coral? And I, and I thought it was the, the divers, you know, their fins got in the way or something. He said, no, it's a global warming. And I couldn't really piece it together. I didn't care too much about it then. But then um, with the diving, I tried to go, you know, once, at least once a year from then on. And almost every time I go to, you know, any diving spot, it's the same. Oh, it was a lot more this, that, the other five years ago, 10 years ago. And I'm like, so what happened? Oh, there's less fish. Oh, there's coral. Okay, what's, what's the root of that? And usually it's humans or global warming or a combination of both. And then I started thinking, oh my gosh, like, you know, I had not seen this firsthand. And so it never occurred to me to be something urgent or something that, you know, um, you know, a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Why would it harm such a massive planet? Um, but I, it didn't occur to me that actually it was having a big impact that, you know, um, people who live close to the ocean can see change in you know short span of five ten years and i think that that's what really got me thinking you know in my day-to-day -day, how can i be better um and then the, the larger trigger was becoming vegan um i didn't do it for the environment i self selfishly uh did it out of curiosity for myself but then after that reading up about the implications of of eating animal products um, I saw the massive effect it had on the environment. Um, and that's kind of what spoke to me and said, you know what? I don't see a reason for eating these again. Um, so then I just never went back to eating any of the animal products. <laughs> I'm muted. Um, I think seeing changes in the world around us definitely is a huge impetus um, for change, right? And then... Uh, uh, other people in the series have said for them, it was seeing, doing an audit, like a self audit mm -hmm. and thinking about how much trash you have in your own house and where does it come from? And then trying to change that. So that, that is often the case, isn't it? For sustainability, that it is really case by case. It depends on who you are, what you want to do with your life, where you live, you, it's really difficult to make blanket rules or blanket approaches because sometimes it really doesn't apply to everybody. But I think where you are, if you look around like you did, Nori, with the scuba diving and you notice changes year on year and you start to think, what can I do to lessen that impact? That's, that's a great example of, of how to spur yourself forward to make difficult changes, right? Yeah, you need to figure out the, the why, you know, for yourself, like why you're doing it. Otherwise, yeah. it's, I don't know, I'm not saying it's, it's not possible, but I think, you know, it, it won't drive you. Um, yeah. yeah, I think it's, it's easier to give up if you don't have a real reason for the why, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And maybe something we already spoke about together, Joy, um, but for me, it's very important to not uh, feel guilty and to try, you know, even if sometimes, you know, you have some challenges and you're not 100% perfect, it's very important not to beat yourself up and keep on going uh, rather than just saying, oh, you know, let's just give up and not care about this anymore. It's too complicated for me. 
That is so important. And like what you guys are doing, trying to build a community, a supportive community of people who will support each other on their journey. That's really vital. I mean, yes. how how many of us were trying a little bit to be sustainable and then you saw the videos or all the social media about the zero wasters who had this tiny jar of plastic <laughs> and then you go to your normal supermarket and you're like, but I can't <laughs> buy anything that's not in plastic. It's impossible. Right? Yeah. And you get overwhelmed with it, right? Uh, do you want it? Tell uh, Joy about your plastic uh, waiting <laughs> challenge. <laughs> so as of 2021, January the 1st, I started uh, recording how much plastic I um, rubbish, plastic rubbish I have. And uh, I have this secret Instagram account that I tell no one about, but <laughs> that's where I record it. Um, and, you know, it's kind of funny because in, in, in January I was pumped about it and I'm like, I'm going to do this. And for some reason, I think it's actually coincidence. Every week I decrease the plastic consumption on week on week. And then come February, suddenly it just shot back up. And I, I couldn't for the life of it figure it out because I was, you know, really trying to reduce plastic. And I think what it was in hindsight is some of the bigger things that come out frequently, you know, like a bottle of um, soap or whatever detergent. I changed my shampoos and things by then. But I think, you know, the odd things that still come out that uh, you've had for a while and then you use up. And every time those things came up, that added like 100 <laughs> grams to my my uh, plastic. And just to give you a sense of how, what that does to my daily, daily on average is now like 30 grams a day. And so if I get a bottle that's 100 grams, that like kills it for me. And I'm just like, no, this week is done. Um, but yeah, the point is like, despite that, and I'm still doing it, I, I feel like it, it's still the journey because I do see that coming into April, um, it is actually starting to become a downward trend where, you know, once you start replacing things like the small things, peanut butter used to be um, plastic, now it's glass or, you know, homemade um, shampoo. And, you know, you change them one by one as you use up your old one. And I think, you know, across a span of a couple of months, I've come to realize that, hey, it is actually going down, despite the fact that I do still pick up some odd things at the supermarket that has plastic in it. But, you know, I don't shoot myself for that. I think it's the, like we all say, it's the journey that counts. That's, it's so important. Uh, just to, it's like trying to meditate. Have you ever tried to meditate, right? And then meditating, clearing your mind and meditating is so hard. And you're trying and it's quiet. And then all these thoughts are rushing in your head. And I remember my yoga teacher saying, just acknowledge that things are not going well and let it go. You know, and I think we have to do that for sustainability, right? Be like, yes. this is your only choice. You're going to have to buy some food. <laughs> just let it go. Try to do better next time. Just keep looking for better options but let it go, you know? <laughs> yes. It's really funny, isn't it? Um, I like how, uh, you know, like during the Echo shopping tour that you did. So even though you go to one shop, that they do have things in plastic, but there's a reason to go to that shop, even though it's in plastic, right? Because it's local or because it's organic or because it's made at um, a really e ethical farm or something. So you, 
I think this is a good example of it's not always black and white, right? Mm -hmm. There's it's kind of a gray area. Yes. Yes. And I think especially in uh, in Japan, like uh, I guess plastic especially is a very uh, very like it's a challenge, I would say. So you usually have the choice between, you know, uh plastic free pesticides <laughs> or you know organic uh, plastic <laughs> so we are trying to accommodate depending on what people are you know uh, people prefer but actually there are options uh, we don't necessarily have them yet on the website but if you order directly from the farms it's actually much easier to get you know the best of both and get organic and uh, plastic-free uh, products. So that's kind of um, an interesting thing to know about. Yeah, well, I would I'm, add to that because I'm excited farms, about that. Yeah, some farms you really need to fight for it. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. fight for. That's not the right word, but um, I've had to convince. Uh, maybe one or two farms in the past and, and actually they've been very open but they were like you know we're only doing this for you <laughs> so <laughs> yeah uh, yeah I, I think um but it's nice it opens up uh, communication that you know I've yeah. never emailed or talked to farmers before in my life and now I have in my inbox like five different farmers that's know, awesome threads because I communicate with them and ask for no plastic or and say, and you're planting you know, a you. seed right yes. like you're you're planting a seed yes. in their mind they're ruminating on it thinking about it and then the next time you ask or somebody asks it's a little bit easier because they've heard it before so yes. it's not it's not coming out of nowhere um, I had to work on the farmers that we we get deliveries from. And now they do send me a box of beautiful veggies all wrapped in newspaper. And I just love it. I love mm. it. But it took them a while to convince them that really I was okay with that, that I really didn't want plastic. And I'm much happier with this. And Nori, don't you find that when you're trying to order vegan things? Quite often people will say, but it has no taste. I can't make it for you because it's going to have no flavor. <laughs> and you have, have to argue back and forth. No, I, I like actually, it that way. I was actually uh, funny because um, Ellen and I were talking earlier today about um, when I was in France and I ordered something, you know, that had butter on it and, and some bit of cream. And you should have seen the waitress's face when I asked her for that dish without cream. And she was just like stuck. <laughs> you just said what like this is France and you're asking for no cream and no butter and she just stopped she didn't say anything she just stopped and I was like and then she's like no cream she actually repeated like no cream or you know in French yeah like, yeah we you know bring it on <laughs> uh, so yeah you know completely agree like that that's what happens when you try to you know uh customize vegan vegan if if it's not on the menu yeah, it's it's wonderful. Like when we were in France as well and we were talking to uh, some shopkeepers and we we're saying, do you have anything vegetarian? And they would say no. And then we'd be like, well, what about that sandwich? It looks like just cheese and, and salad. And they're like, yeah, it doesn't have meat. It doesn't have fish, but it's not vegetarian. You know? <laughs> yes. like, so there was a just a concept difference, right? Like we're using translators or the, the mm. word just wasn't hitting. So it was by chance it was vegetarian, but they wouldn't call it vegetarian. And I think we had this for a long time in Japan, didn't we? 
there was no easy word for vegetarian. Whereas at least now, people really understand what is vegetarian, what is vegan, even gluten-free. Like the information gap has certainly become lessened, don't you think? Yes. Yes and no, I'd say. Yes. I mean, <laughs> less, the gap has definitely gotten smaller. Yes. Like if I say I'm vegan, people at least understand it's a dietary choice. But then do they understand what that means? I'm not so sure. Like um, I think Burger King recently uh, came out with a plant based whooper, whooper, mm -hmm. whopper, one of whopper, their signature yeah. whopper. Um, and they labeled it plant based whopper. But it turns out their bread has the milk and the mayo has the egg. So it is plant-based patty, maybe, but it's not a plant-based product, you know? Yeah. Um, and if you're, a if you're a vegan and you want to eat it, basically you have to ask for it without the bun and no mayo. So you're left with, like, lettuce tomorrow. <laughs> it is, it's so strange because when they do it in America or other countries where people are more strict – the whole thing is vegan. The whole thing is plant-based. And they will cook it in a pan instead of on the grill. So there's just, it's like a learning curve still in Japan, yes. right? Yes. Uh, we only have eight more minutes. So I want to talk more about the events and the workshops that you guys are doing now and what's coming up for Echo Local. What are you guys planning? Is it top secret or can you give us a hint? <laughs> well, I can touch on the events and Ellen can maybe cover the top secret part. <laughs> um, no, but like you mentioned uh, in, uh, oh, it's this weekend, 24th, we have the ramen workshop coming up. Um, sorry for those of you outside of Japan, it's an offline event in Tokyo Asakusa. And even if you are in Tokyo, sorry, it's sold out for now. Um, but please do reach out and stay on our mailing lists if you're interested. We do hope to do more of um, events like these um, we do also organize the the echo shop alongs that we've been talking about so we try to do like one a month on one of the weekends and uh, we pick an area in tokyo uh, not tokyo sorry kind of kanto tokyo area um, so if you're interested in a particular area uh, please do let us know or if you have a favorite area that you can you know guide us through um, that's also another option but those are the things that we have as regulars and upcoming Yes. And also we have, like you were mentioning, we have like the YouTube channel where we do, if you can't join us for the, the tours, you get a, a recap uh, and some cooking from Nori <laughs> uh, for now. And then like there's not really any uh, top secret stuff uh, going on, I would say, but um, it's a little bit like what uh, you were saying, we were saying earlier, sorry, we are trying to develop the new version of the website with the, the community elements, you know, more, you know, incorporated in there. Um, and also looking at developing more, you know, uh, offers for uh, businesses. So that's kind of uh, the plan uh, at the moment. So if you're working, if you're in Japan, you're working for a, a company and you're interested in uh, raising awareness uh, with your teams about environmental issues, uh, we are soon going to offer services for, you know, uh, companies, you know, whether in Japanese or in English. So don't hesitate to reach out. We can tell you a bit more. Uh, it's still in the design process. <laughs> That's great. Uh, do you want to introduce about the Echo Local ambassadors? Yes, of course. And so, um, so uh, actually, Joy is one of our ambassadors. <laughs> Thank you. And so uh, <laughs> happy to be part of the team. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> 
And so when, uh, when we started, it's a little bit like uh, what we were saying about the, the community element. We were thinking that uh, people, you know, may want to identify themselves, you know, with some role models, like approachable people, which are a bit more maybe local or who have like similar interests. Uh, you know, we have some, some, uh, for example, some ambassadors who have like a, a farm. Some of them are interested in permaculture. Uh, you, you like Joy, you know, you're doing a lot of uh, podcasting around sustainability and traveling. So, and people of a wide range of people, you know, Japanese people, foreigners, like all kinds of profiles so that people can find some inspiration and can kind of, we want to kind of connect everybody together and kind of, um, Hello, that kind of support network. So the the ambassador, they are kind of the kind of the the flags for that. <laughs> if that makes sense, <laughs> I don't know, Nori, if you want to add. <laughs> yeah, I think you summed it up perfectly. Um, and you know, like we said, community building is is our core. Um, it has been and it will be. So the ambassadors, um, hopefully. Uh, we'll be growing that community as well and, and you know getting more people on board so if you're also interested in becoming an ambassador <laughs> please reach out to us too that's great um you also have two initiatives it will change your life in seven days and you have an upcoming beach clean if you want to mention yeah that's a good point so the change your life in seven days so we are working on the bilingual version of the website so we have one in, in japanese and one in english and so if you go on the website, you can get the, the English one for now, but soon we uh, will have the Japanese one up. Uh, if you want the Japanese one, just send us a message on uh, Instagram. And, and the second event, uh, like the event we're organizing next, next month, it's a beach clean with uh, one of our ambassadors. Uh, and so, yes, it's going to be a very fun event, you know, meeting, you know, people being outside and uh, trying to pick up some, some trash. Um, so yes, we love organizing these events with uh, our ambassadors or you know stores like the one we did we, we are doing uh, this weekend with the um, uh, the vegan store in Asakusa. So we are trying to do more and more of these like uh, collaboration events. Yes. Yeah, it's wonderful. So the one this weekend, um, it looks like it's sold out really fast. You're gonna yeah. try to do more of those. Very popular. Yes. We were a bit surprised, to be honest with you, because that was one of our first like properly paid events, and we were okay. Is it gonna people are gonna be interested? And yeah, actually, it sold out pretty fast. We were very very pleased, and yes, and it's great as well for small businesses like you know uh, Suzuki San from uh, the vegan store, you know, because it's an opportunity for them to get you know more customers especially in these times with uh, you know coronavirus it's a bit more challenging for for some of them so we are also it's great because it's a way as well to support these uh, these local uh, businesses yeah it's a great idea i know a lot of um, restaurants and eateries in particular are really struggling mm -hmm. um, now because coronavirus the lockdown has been lasting so you want to be safe you want to make sure everybody's safe but you want to support local businesses um, hopefully, maybe we can have more events outside. We might be able to have indigo dye workshops outside or cooking lessons outside or washi paper making outside. I think that that might be um, the next kind of workshop that I would love to do, collaborate with local businesses and do something like you guys are doing. That's a great yes. idea. 
Yes, tell us when you do your next event. We'll be sure to share that on our oh, Instagram and such. Yeah. <laughs> well, you guys are so supportive and the vegan workshops have actually been the most popular. Um, so learning how to cook vegan food, I think this is something that it's definitely in high demand in Japan yeah. that a lot of people just, they're interested, but that's kind of a big hurdle, like how to do that. So yeah. it's nice to see that your vegan ramen also is very popular. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Well, we have one more minute. Any secret stuff, any big aims or goals or targets that you'd like to accomplish this year that you're just thinking about? <laughs> well, we do want to be the go-to echo map <laughs> in, uh, in Japan. Um, think big. Sorry, my baby's crying in the background, but... <laughs> She came home sick today. But yes, um, that is our ambition. We do want to be the go-to, not just Echo Map, but we actually want to be the go-to people. You know, hey, let's go to Echo Local to get the support, you know, uh, help and, and tips and tricks and inspiration, you know, kind of just like that nice, you know, hangout house in the corner with the garden and we drink beer at 3 p.m. on Fridays and talk about <laughs> sustainability. You know, that kind of, we want Ecologo to be that kind of like place, not like a map, not like, a, you know, an account, but kind of like the place you go to. Um, so, yeah. Yes. I think that's a great goal. It's it's something that can launch community support. And I, th I think that is very unique and very necessary for so many of us who are seeking sustainability. So best of luck, Helene. I know you're building most of it by yourself, right? Yeah, <laughs> but now we are very lucky because we have like actually Luis, who is uh, you know part of the team and is doing an amazing job to help us uh, make the website better, faster, <laughs> because up till now it was a bit, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, you could do with a little bit of corporate support, maybe. So I yes. hope somebody with a company looking for some way to support a wonderful venture like yours initiative, and maybe they can give you some support and you can move it forward a little bit by hiring more people. I know yes. that's definitely the hardest thing, isn't it? To have enough time. You are both such busy women. To have enough time to do everything you want to do is a big challenge, right? Yeah. And we are, to be honest, we are so lucky because we have some amazing people in the team and we wouldn't be able to be where we are, like, if not for them. So a big shout out to them. So we, we are very lucky for that. But yeah, we want to make sure that at some point we can properly, like, uh, you know, hire people and reward them for the time, you know, they spend. So that's one of our goals. And yeah, like you mentioned, you know, we are like planning on launching very soon services for companies. Um, so hopefully we can kind of get a bit of cash in to <laughs> achieve that. <laughs> yeah, well, I hope so. I hope, um, you know, we can move forward with the vaccine a little bit in Japan. Things become a little bit easier. Hopefully this is a good building time for you and creating the app and getting mm -hmm. lots of information. And then by next year, when things are a bit more back to normal and we have inbound tourists, it, it'll be such a great resource. So it's not bad timing to do something like this where you're just starting to build, right? Yes. 
No, you're right. I think you're right. We have to think about the future. And you're right. We are just at the beginning in Japan. Like we are a bit behind from other countries, unfortunately. So it's the right time to start this kind of initiative. So if anybody, you know, watching is uh, thinking and hesitating about, you know, starting that kind of ideas, you know, in the sustainability space, I would say go for it because it's it's now like things are going to change, I think. I think so. This is a great time to build and network and make new connections yes. and get lots of information together and support each other. So thank yes. you so much. <laughs> thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you everybody for watching today. It was wonderful having your questions and comments. Thank you so much. Uh, tomorrow morning, we're talking with Axel Deberu. Helene, you would know his last name. <laughs> um, he does a sustainable tourism venture called Peco Peco Box they're doing at the moment during coronavirus. So it'll be really interesting to follow up with him. I talked to him last year and see how their initiative is going to support local artisans and send the boxes of local craftsmen uh, goods abroad to people who want to visit Japan but who can't come over right now. So that'll be interesting. Nice. Nine o'clock tomorrow morning. So thank you guys so much. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. If you want to learn more about the work that I do, have a look at inboundambassador.com. You can also sponsor the work that I'm doing on the YouTube channel, Patreon, Buy Me A Coffee, Coffee or Haps. Have a great day. <laughs>